Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to episode one of season two of Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast, with me, Caroline Foran. I cannot get over the amount of people who are now tuning in and who message me to say that they're finding the podcast super helpful. Even when I have been off season, the listenership has just grown massively. Thank you so much for the feedback. It means the absolute world to me. And I'm sorry that I can't get back to everyone. I wish I could, but as you will appreciate, I have to mind myself as well and try to spend a little bit less time with my head buried in my phone and a little bit more time in the real world. So we're back and when I say we, I mean myself and Bear the dog because obviously he keeps me company while I, while I edit. So first up, I'm joined by one of Ireland's greatest broadcasters, Ryan Tuberty. He's one of my absolute favorite people in the industry. He's so kind, he's so genuine. And as you'll hear when we start chatting, it was with him that I did my first ever radio interview to talk about my anxiety and the book. And I hadn't done anything at that point, any broadcasting, the podcast didn't exist yet. And I was fair to say shit and bricks about it because I just thought, what will people think of me? Am I gonna come across like just completely crazy? And he made me feel so at ease and that kind of really was the the launching pad for everything that I do now. Uh, So I talked to Ryan about performance anxiety, obviously as he hosts the Late Late Show live every Friday night, Ireland's biggest talk show. We talk about how different generations have experienced anxiety and we touch on the whole snowflake suggestion, which obviously I'm against. We talk about his coping mechanisms to keep his own mental health in check and also about men and anxiety. So I would be of the opinion that based on the messages that I receive, men experience anxiety just as much as women do. However, they're a lot more closed off about it. They struggle to talk about it openly or admit it or even discuss it with those closest to them. So we talk, myself and Ryan, about what needs to happen there too to make to reduce the stigma for men in particular. So I hope you enjoy it. I'm absolutely thrilled to be back. And as always, I will mix in guests who will share their experiences with the experts who can give you the information you need. And of course, there'll be a few with just little old me as well. So don't forget to subscribe and enjoy. Thank you so much. Ryan Tuberty, thank you so, so much for joining me. My pleasure, For taking the time out to speak with me on Owning It. This is the second season of my podcast. This season, I wanted to talk to more men. And I know yourself and I have had conversations about anxiety before. Mm. I also want to start by thanking you because when I went on your radio show, when my first book came out, that was the first interview I did where I spoke about anxiety at all. 
And that really did just set me on that path to where I am now, where I'm able to do these kind of things and I get asked to speak at events and I get people messaging me all the time about their anxiety. So it does all go back to that first interview because you were so open and understanding and I guess I would have got into it with a lot of fear, but you actually just reassured me so much that anxiety is is okay to have. Everyone everyone gets anxious in front of a microphone or in front of a crowd and a crowd could be three people. I know. You know, it's not easy. And if you actually think about the amount of people listening to your podcast or to my radio show, you could get even more anxious thinking. You know, anxiety begets anxiety. Exactly. It's like a desperate domino that falls. And actually, it doesn't have to. So that idea of saying to you before you come on the show, as you did, and I say it to guests, mm. particularly guests who don't go on the radio often, mm. who have a story to tell, that it's not an interview. It's, it's, it's a, a conversation. And that's really important because that's, that's what all... Uh, encounters like this should be yeah. conversations all broadcasting should yeah because yeah. you know this from listening to the radio or to podcasts that the nicest easiest ones to listen to are conversation that's yeah. you know it's intelligent hopefully it's insightful a little bit humorous mm-hmm. um but but that's not panicked and that's not forced and that's not fake because listeners can smell mm. inauthenticity from 10 miles away yeah absolutely. and they know if you're just spoofing or winging it, mm-hmm. or if your nerves are gone, mm-hmm. or if you're embarrassed. Oh, or, even just saying all that yeah. is making me no, clown. But, <laughs> not in the slightest, no, but they, they, they just know because know. They're, they're brighter than they ever get credit exactly. for. Same with viewers on TV. Uh, but like, I'm now 46. Uh, that It's taken me years mm. to get to a point where you go, now, and that comes from age. Then you can, now you can be the kind of relatively old guy who turns around to the younger people coming on and say, don't be worrying. I know yeah. where you're going, coming from because I was there. Yeah. I was anxious and I was nervous mm-hmm. and I was concerned. Um, but you have to mind people. Uh, you have to mind yourself, as you know, but you also have to mind people, not in a patronizing way, yeah. not in a mansplaining way, all this kind of thing. It's not. It's just about kindness. Yeah. Kindness doesn't know gender yeah. or, or, or or wealth. You know, it's exactly. a very straightforward well, thank thing. You. Thank anyway, you so much because that was you got me beginning. ranting already. That was the beginning. Started. Well, we have plenty right. of ranting and also, to go. I'm only I was only as good as as the person sitting in front of me, and you, you you uh, acquitted yourself so so wonderfully. And you know, we got a great response to what you said on the show because you were speaking the language of the generation you come from mm-hmm. um, in a way that was just really accessible and approachable and that mm. makes it nice so you know you weren't just saying now here are the top 10 things you need to do <laughs> yeah. no but it's people people are normal you know, I know. and yeah. everyone everyone has, is full of abnormalities yeah on broadcasting which you are ireland's leading broadcaster you have the toughest don't yeah. get on i don't mind that. I'm gonna Go compliment you. Yeah. you have arguably the toughest job in broadcasting um not just the radio show but hosting ireland's legacy late night talk show that thousands hundreds of thousands of people tune in every friday and you've got you know, all these people watching and not just watching, but going onto Twitter and critiquing. Oh, yeah. Gives me my skin just crawls. <laughs> talking about it. So is it fair yeah. to say that anxiety has been a feature of your professional life? Oh, I think it, it, it would be peculiar if it wasn't. There's a fine line between anxiety and excitement, mm. you know, nervousness, anxiety, excitement. I, I like the word excitement because yeah. I think it's a, a kinder way of channeling the nerves, at least mm. even as a word. And for years, I, I I think I was erring on the side of nervousness. If I think about earlier years in, as a broadcaster, you know, it, it was fueled by a jittery nervousness. Um, and then more recently, that's become excitement. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that if you aren't, if you don't have that, not anxiety, but certainly, but, but that sense of living on the edge a little bit, 
that nervousness, that excitement, all of that that that, that emotion is essentially uh, the petrol in the tank yeah. of a car. It's the fuel for the performer, and uh, it, the the key is to make that to make it positive uh, as an emotion rather than negative. If it's negative, they smell it. Mm. The viewer smells it. The guest smells it. Mm-hmm. The listener smells it, and they go, "He's not really enjoying this," and they know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're enjoying it, they smile and go, "He's he looks like he's," in, 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 and suddenly we're all in. So mm. yeah, it, it, so it's it, more it, just like energy and whatever you decide yeah. to make of it, whether it's what you can say it's a negative anxious energy, or you can say. So for me, there's the very fine line as well between the yeah. two. When I try to tell myself, like my body actually can't tell now when I'm excited because <laughs> it's like, oh, you're anxious. I'm like, no, this is excitement. Yeah, so it's like yeah. because it feels the same way. So how long have you been broadcasting? And how long have you been specifically doing the late late? Well, I've been doing that. This is my eleventh year doing the late late show. I did five years on it previous show on the Saturday night called Tuberty Tonight mm-hmm. and uh, before that on the radio so I do five days a week on the radio mm-hmm. on RT1 and then Friday night is it's one of the last live TV so that adds another di- dimension entirely yeah. most of the chat shows in the UK and the US are pretty much all of them are presented by comedians who then have their show neatly chopped up and edited mm-hmm. to look beautiful what you get uh, what you see is what you get with us yeah. there's no room for that luxury. Yeah. So you're on. And I know because I've been on it. You I've know the ne- I was never more terrified in all my yeah, life. Yeah, but did you feel <laughs> very elated when oh, you I walked felt out? Am- I felt amazing. It was For me, it's always the build-up. It's always yeah, the, that little few minutes before you go on. Yeah, that's right. And I'm guessing for you, I don't know, I mean, you've said it probably gets easier over time, but now when you're when it's those five minutes before you go on mm. and you have to warm up the crowd, are you standing behind that wall feeling all that energy? Yeah. And then it's, once you're out, you're fine? Oh, I'm chatting. I'm walking away like the most confident man on the island. Until about 20 past nine, the show starts at 9.35. Mm-hmm. And just at 20 past nine, I suddenly realise, I'm going to be on the TV <laughs> to half a million people or thereabouts, which is, you know, to international listeners of, of your podcast, they'll go, that's, what is he on the Iron Islands? But <laughs> in Ireland, that's a big deal, apparently. Yeah. apparently. Um, and uh, it's not like an anchor man now. But the point I'm making is that, you know, you, you kind of go, it dawns on you mm-hmm. and you've got to get out. And, and then you get that, that nervousness you described a few minutes before. And what kind of thoughts are going through your head? Uh, it largely, the best way to describe it is: Can you imagine when you're going, when you're going for a swim, and you're looking in the sea, and you think that looks really cold, mm-hmm. and yet you're you're in your togs. So why did you, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's going to be a shock. It's the choice. sea. It's water. It does that. It's Ireland, yeah. uh, and yet, you know, but you're choosing to do this exactly, and then you think, well, will I get in? You, get in, you better get in there because you know everyone's waiting for their turn to get in or whatever it might be. So just get in. So you get in. You go, oh, it's cold. You know, like when you do that, you go, and you're waving your arms like a, like, a, like the starfish thing. You go, it's cold. And then you go, she's quite nice. And then you go, it's beautiful. I feel great. And then you think, I don't want to get out. What's the rush? That's what it's like to present okay. a live TV show. Oh my God. And you do that every single week. Every Friday, which but, is why I'm so skinny, which is the beauty of podcasts. But it must knacker you because, you know, yeah, I, for me, I get asked a lot about um, performance anxiety, which is a very different thing to look just someone who regularly has anxiety in their life every day I feel like with performance anxiety it comes you get that surge of feelings and it goes and you definitely feel well you tend to feel elated afterwards so you know for you it's obviously at an extreme going and hosting in front of half a million people yeah. for someone else it could be doing a job interview it could be yeah. um, for or, me getting up and giving a talk and I keep going back and doing it even yeah. though you're going it, back to swim in the cold yeah, sea why would you do that to yourself I know but do you think that if you didn't have that bit of performance anxiety or excitement would you be yeah. concerned yeah i would because i think that uh, i'd be too cocky mm. uh, if you're cocky that's a bad look mm-hmm. it's not a nice look it's not a nice place to be um i can see it sometimes uh, in people and i just think 
No, does it, I always say to children that the, the, the line between confidence and cockiness is mm-hmm. very, very, you know, so it's like when the kid says, I say, what do you want from Santa? They say, I'm going to get a surprise. And I always say, now be careful. There is a fine line between a surprise and a shock. So always have <laughs> plan B for Santa just in case. And equally with confidence and cockiness. Yeah. So while people might think, God, oh, he, he sounds really cocky. I, I appreciate that because when you do what, what I do and, you, and uh you will just have people who just don't like what you do. They don't like the face, the head in you. They don't like your voice. They don't like your attitude, your personality, your opinions. And that's fine because they're around the corner. There's another heap of people who are saying, actually, he's all right. I don't mind. So that's that's part of the territory. That took years to realize this. Because you mentioned earlier on about, you know, online. And we'll go there, I'm yeah. sure, in a minute. Uh, and that's fine. You develop a thick skin, which is great. And you just... Get the hell on with it. And, you know, it took a while to get there, but then you get there. When you get there, incidentally, and this is important to say, you know, it, you, it's just the best feeling. It's it's comfort in mm. your skin. Mm-hmm. But you made a really good point about, you know, giving a presentation at work or, you know, applying for a job and all these things. Like not, most people aren't natural performers. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm a natural show off. I was a show off at school. I'm a show off in the office. I have an insatiable uh, appetite for attention. Uh, yeah i do i love attention like no it is and it's kind of it's a mixture of uh, vanity and narcissism and neediness it's all of those things Mm -hmm. but uh, very self-aware well you have to be because otherwise people will tell you and at least if they tell you you can say oh i know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're very narcissistic i know i have put it in 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 uh, i've articulated it well you know this is this one but but before, you know, for, for some years I used to come on almost apologizing and saying, oh, this whole thing. I don't want And then you go, what's the point? Do you want to be on or not? Like embrace it. Are you in charge of this studio yeah. or not? Are you in charge of your opinions or not? Mm. Do you uh, believe and own what you're thinking and what you're presenting and who you're interviewing or not? And it took a while to get there, but I got there. Do you think that's an Irish thing about, so first yes. of all, we're very apologetic. Yes, we say so sorry all the, all time. the time. Even when we bump into somebody, exactly. even when someone bumps into us, as somebody oh, I, said all once. The time. I know. You say sorry. I know. I say sorry. So we're apologetic. And yeah. then also we're we're afraid to show confidence um, around a skill. So you, obviously at this stage, you are confident in your skill as a broadcaster because <laughs> yes. you've been doing it for long enough. And, yes. And you know, I've started not caring really about. Yeah, you've got to that sweet spot of. Things. Yeah, you it's kind of nice. Yeah. yeah. But then. I don't know whether it's, it's like an Irish thing where it's like, who do you think you are? Don't yeah. be getting ahead of yourself. Yeah. So there's a fine line between wanting to really own your job and what you're doing and be like, no, I'm going to come out here. I'm going to be confident. Yeah. And people then thinking, oh, that's very cocky. Do you think it's it's wrong that we look at, or it's a, it's a habit of Irish people anyway? Maybe it's maybe it's not just Irish, but to look at people who are confident and instantly take that for arrogance. I think your, your point is perfectly uh, uh, made because we have a problem with confidence in this country mm. as a people and we're not confident enough. Uh, I think it comes from absolutely at the last 150 years. I think it started with the famine. Mm-hmm. I think it moved into the Catholic church and uh, between the two things we were bent down, you know, as I heard someone say once looking at our shoes, you know, uh, and it's desperate. And then somebody, I call it the clay pigeon shoot approach to fame or achievement where the person is the clay pigeon mm. and we look at them as a nation and we say pull and they start their career and our guns are like this and when they go look at them doing great 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 and just when they reach a point yeah. we shoot and then we watch them fall and there's a round of applause and it's so, really really unfortunate however i have two daughters one is 20 and one is 14 and i'm looking at their generation and i'm looking at their 
you know, po- large, largely positively. And I'm looking at, I think, largely their, their confidence. And I'm hoping, I really th- believe that that generation is possibly the first generation mm. in centuries that might uh, be born into an, an Ireland with their heads up. So things are changing. Mm. And I, I, I'm, I love that sense of generational change. What's next? But it needs to spill into people listening to your podcast who mightn't be 18, 19, 20 who are saying, yeah, I want a bit of that. It's not too late. Exactly. It's not too late to be confident. Well, yeah, confidence is a skill. Um, it's not a personality trait. It's something that anyone can develop at any stage. Yeah. And it's, you know, specifically related to how you hold yourself or your work or different verticals of your life. It's not like a blanket umbrella for you're yeah. confident and I can never be. It's not. People have that misconception. Yes. Um, can I say but, something else? Yeah. Uh, uh, detoxify. And by the toxics, I mean not food or drink. <laughs> I mean people. Yeah. I think that if, if people listening to this will say work in an office with 10 people, there's going to be one, uh, maybe two, mm-hmm. who are just the, the the flump with the cloud. Now, the flump with the cloud is a reference to a children's poem called The Flumps. In an episode that I'll never forget, that flump walked around with a cloud over his head. <laughs> and and every time the flump went left, the cloud followed. Oh. And it went right, the cloud followed. And he couldn't remove the, the cloud. And I don't know why it stayed with mm-hmm. me. I must have been just pretty odd kid. It's a great yeah. visual. And it's a flump, great sick tune, by the way. And you'll enjoy it. But the point to make about the flump cloud is that nearly every office has a flump with a cloud over their head mm-hmm. who who rain negativity down and suck the life out of an otherwise positive and everyone's mm-hmm. like did you see Love Island like was it don't watch it stupid <laughs> oh okay well then did you see the football last night no I don't like Tipperary oh well then or mm-hmm. you hurling sorry you should say uh, well okay well did you see freaking Elton John's movie Rocketman no I hate Elton John well then did you see Bohemian Rhapsody then? Even Queen. <laughs> no Freddie Mercury's stupid these people will will go to bed with a cloud over their head and they'll wake up with that. and I'm not talking about people who are uh, mentally ill or depressed or they're those people yeah. are they need to be minded that that's different I'm talking people who are just, just negative. narky negative moaners mm-hmm. and you need to they need to because you know, they can often dominate then the, the the world or the social group or whatever yeah, it might and be. we all have a negativity bias so we're all always from evolution, we naturally gravitate towards negativity. Right, I didn't know that. So yeah, so our brain... That's pretty sad. Well, it's it's a, from a survival thing. So back in the day, <laughs> hunter-gatherer times, if you, if like say for example, a lion was coming and it was going to hunt you, you had to react to that negative with such extreme ability to, to run, get out of there, more so than something positive. So like it was a matter of saving your life. So I think if, like for one one negative, it takes three positives to outweigh it or something. Oh, great, so okay. we're always primed to think of the negative, um, especially if you're anyway prone to anxiety. So it's like okay. fixing on that one negative comment you get in the stream of the 99 positive comments. You're like, whatever, it's the yeah. one that sticks with you. Yeah. So I think you maybe without realizing it have become innately aware of your negativity bias throughout your career. And yes. now you just, just choose to kind of just turn down the volume that. Yeah, I do. And that's a very, 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 very good point. Great um, uh, analogy or metaphor or whatever that might be, because, you know, I, I was on Twitter for a while. I did leave Twitter. Uh, it, it's been characterized before as, as um, you know, was forced off Twitter or left in a storm. No, I didn't. I, there was no huff or no sulk. Mm. It, it was noise. You, said, yeah. you talked about turning it down. That's a great expression, because that's what I wanted to do. I was I was doing the like presenting the Late Late Show from 930, essentially, till midnight. I'd go out. And have a beer and I'd look at the phone to see mm-hmm. how did that go and I was looking at these at comments from people who were saying you know not really nasty things and I was thinking god it just broke my heart out there to try and make a good tv show and these people and I realized well who is it is it is graffiti on the toilet wall as, yeah. as, as someone said and 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 uh, I said well, and I thought about it and then one day my uh, one of my daughters said 
I picked up my phone and she said, you're on that again, are you? And when your daughter says to you as a dad, and as at that point in my late 30s or whatever, uh, are you on that thing again? That's not the right order of nature. No. <laughs> so yeah. I said, you know what? That was the tipping point. I'm out. And it was the best thing I ever did. Yeah. I'm on Instagram, incidentally. It's a nicer and, place, And it's though. a nicer place to be. You're so right. It's nicer. Mm-hmm. You just put stuff up if you want to. Let yeah. the people know if they care that, look, this is a good book to read. Yeah. That's a good movie to go and see. This is what I'm doing today. And you can be, you can actually be yourself. Only if I can be myself nearly as much on Instagram as on mm-hmm. radio. Yeah. Which yeah, is that's, nice. I feel the same. Um, that anyway. was what made me most nervous about going on the Late Late Show that time. It wasn't, obviously I'd, met you loads of times it wasn't sure. the conversation we were going to have it wasn't it wasn't even the audience in front of me it was this swarm of people watching and waiting to just jump on yeah. something and be like who's she what's yeah. going on and I hadn't been exposed to that really yeah and I haven't and like thankfully I haven't had I mean I'm not saying anything that's massively controversial I'm not on a platform that's big my sure. followers aren't aren't big but I was just nervous and I purposely did not go on Twitter for like two days because I just did and then I couldn't help myself yeah. and I went on well that's honest of you because I think most people couldn't help themselves yeah I decided look, I wasn't I, when I came off the stage I was elated I was like you did it this mm. is the thing for me professionally it couldn't get scarier than that having mm. been through what I've been through Great I was thing. so proud of myself uh, I was going to give myself the night and then the next day I was like or the two yeah. days later, I have to have a look and someone had just commented oh you're going you're gonna to yeah. remember the really mean oh, thing yeah, aren't course, you yeah. I hate I that we all do it though and it's... was like who's your one she looks like a reality TV star with her fake tan and her very um, there we go. revealing outfit I was like I had full sleeves on this dress and in a way I laughed at it because I was mm. like Caroline you went looking for this and you knew it was going to happen yeah. and you knew it was going to sting a little bit and you're also not placing any importance on them people were like fair play to you did such a great job of course of course so for me i I think you can get a a thick skin which you have gotten over the time but you also have to put in place boundaries that protect yourself so hugely so what else do you do or how do you keep yourself i'll I'll tell you what i do because it's that's a good good point because i have uh, one of my brothers uh, wrote a book about neurology. He's oh, a I read it and we did it for um, Pat Kenny's book club. It was right? Amazing. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you liked it. And so Neil, he's like top of his game as a medical guy. He's a professor. He's, he's a consultant. He's and we meet for pints uh, pretty much every week, and we talk about the world and books and you know my, my, my brothers and sisters. And we're very close, as you can imagine, if you're <laughs> meeting every week. And he was selling his book. Mm-hmm. And he did all the interviews and they went really well. I was watching them. I was kind of keeping an eye and making sure everything was going well. And they did. He didn't need any advice from me. Uh, but he said afterwards, which I thought was really nice. He said, now I get it. Now I get what you do. Mm. And, I, I, and, I, and until I st- said watching him doing, uh, you know, and having a look at somebody medically, neurologically, I won't understand what he does <laughs> by reading his book. Yeah. Um, but he, he got it. And equally you sitting on the couch as my guest on that show. You, you get it, mm. the bigness of it. And uh, yeah. it's big. And what it takes to get out there, you right. only realise when you do it. So back to the question then. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's not what it takes to get out there. No, no. Well, that's, that's all excitement. So. But back to the question about your, your safety. Yeah. What I do is I'm actually a strange creature in the sense that I have no big outgoings in terms of expenses and uh, habits and tastes. I love a few pints of Guinness, mm-hmm. particularly on a Wednesday uh, and it's just two or three hours, but the conversation, oh, you know, Donahue's exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't been that's I haven't been there for a while, but certainly I've done it. And we sit there and we just talk, and it's just like that's therapy, right? Mm-hmm. You're among the people you love, and you can say anything, you'll never hear anything about. It. So that's one. And I get the dart in and do my crossword, walk up. I love the walk up. Mm-hmm. I just love, and it's 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 like it's the routine of it. I absolutely. Mm-hmm. Love it. So that's that's one thing. Yeah, my my girls, 
are like uh, my daughters are like um i often say it, it's a bit like I'm, I'm it's the iphone of the soul like i'll go along in life fine but when i'm with them i'm charging my phone yeah and they're beside me mm. and they're near even if they're just in that room or they're getting ready one's getting ready to go out mm-hmm. the other one's talking to a friend on facetime whatever. even the sounds mm-hmm. and the presence is enough it's like it's like putting petrol into the yeah. car you know your, your heart's just full mm-hmm. and it's that that's what i like I have a a log fire, small log fire. The smell, even the smell of it, I'm just transformed. Mm-hmm. And it's in, sitting in front of me on the couch. I have bookshelves coming out of my ears mm-hmm. everywhere. I'm surrounded by those spines of my friends. Like they are paintings on the wall to me. Mm-hmm. And that's there. I live in a small house with a big soul and heart because it's just nice. It's a home. Mm-hmm. It's not a house. That's, it's your literal comfort zone. I, I, I could go in there going, oh, the mm-hmm. smell last night's, you know, turf in the air. And go right. Let's go again. Mm-hmm. And 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 it's small kitchen, but it's just. But it's got everything I need. So I don't go for dinners. Yeah. I don't go to premieres of anything. I don't go to opening nights. I don't go to. I go to nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. If I want to go see a film in the cinema, I'll go on a Monday afternoon on yeah, my same. own. Yeah. I go down the pier in Dunleary. This is the fact. I want my books. A few drinks. Great company. Um, mm-hmm. And don't go to stupid stuff. Uh, again, back to that thing. I don't want to be making small talk. People I don't know. I don't want to be going to I things uh, that you know. If, I don't need that, my picture does taken. Does that give you anxiety? Going to things. Those, that social anxiety. Yeah, I don't really of, like stuff like that. You know, okay. When you go out on the show or on radio, you're prepped. You know exactly what you're doing. You're you're performing. You have a job to do. Whereas I find because we spend so much time now behind screens that when you do go into a situation where say you're all mingling before a premiere, I just want to die. Like bumping into people who I kind of know but don't really know well enough. And after I say like, hey, how are you? How's it going? I've nothing else to say. Yeah. And then it's like, when can I leave? Yes. That for me is like, Ugh. I know. I don't feel that hellishness that you've just described. I don't can, feel all That can be almost inexplicable <laughs> to just indescribable what face you just made there. Yeah. Uh, that isn't on camera. But I, I do get a sense of that. Uh, but essentially, yes, I don't. I don't get anxious. Do you know what, mm. what's worse than that? I get bored. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that it's obviously uh, boredom isn't worse than anxiety. Mm. I understand. But but I get bored really easily. And and I'd say I'd say if I was to be diagnosed as an adult, it's ADD. Like my, uh, meetings I go to are short, mm-hmm. uh, but they're decisive. Uh, and I really learned that. Just uh, uh, the, the the no. What what about this thing? Talk chat discuss and it'll be absolutely yes mm-hmm. or definitely no but quick i don't like time wasting hate it I know. and I, i'm not like kind of going around going i'm sorry i don't type it i just like if i could sit with you know my friends from the radio show and we sit down and have a cup of coffee i stay there for ages because it's just fun yeah i tend to err on the side of fun enjoyment crack where's the good stuff mm. like give me the good stuff mm. because you know that, god what's when you the think, point otherwise what's the point and, and life can life can be you know I'd rather it's a wonderful life movie than, you know, a Mike Lee film. Like, I, I just want the good stuff, and I don't want Pollyanna. I know that that terrible stuff happens, and we, you know, all our lives, regardless of how successful you are or how wealthy you are or how, or whatever your background is, they're all peppered with stories that have sadness. Part of the yeah, human it's all story, relative. absolutely. Uh, but uh, how do you uh, protect yourself? The answer is I just surround myself by the good mm. stuff, the good people, and that has nothing to do with. Uh, expense uh, or time to an extent it's just choosing wisely I think we've quite a similar approach to minding ourselves in that it's it's a sort of um you kind of an intuition type of thing where you know you're on the radio you're putting all this energy out there and then you charge inwardly 
So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I'd go with that. You're sort of extrovert professionally, and then you're yeah. you're sort of and introverted. So it's like an, you're an ambivert, I think is the word. For ambivert. Yeah, yeah, so you do both. Well, yeah. I love that yeah. word. I'm going to steal it yeah. and not credit you. Excellent. No. <laughs> Thank you. So I feel that I, you know, I could be go 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 with work stuff, and yes. I know now from having been through what I've been through that I can do that for so long, and then I will start to like my tolerance for things, like my stress levels will just go up, and I'll start to maybe react to things or feel a little bit more on edge than I would have been had I protected myself. So I I say okay. Right, this week is going to be crazy and we're myself and my business partner producing a podcast for um bank mm. and it's going to be we're in the studio all day every day and then i'm going to pull back and do nothing on the weekend so God. i just it's like lean in lean out lean in lean out yeah i, I think that's a really good is that is that is that a hard work to to manage that or are you good at it's that? hard well it's hard for me because everything that i do i do with so much energy and enthusiasm you know i feel everything greatly and mm. um, so I'm getting to the stage there, and especially when it comes to stuff like broadcasting, you know, I think it's it's nerve it's nerve wracking for anyone to do it. But the nature of what I'm doing and public speaking, and actually this was kind of my next question, because I'm talking about anxiety in a lot of work that I do, or I'm talking about confidence, or I'm talking about the fear of failure, it sort of takes the fear out of it. Because I can go out on stage and say, Well, you obviously all know that I'm strugg- I struggle with anxiety because here I am talking to you about how I cope. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. I'm not going out there being like, I'm a solicitor and I have it all figured out. Do you yes, know what I mean? Yeah. So I've had some people comment to me saying, in, not in a mean way, but with, when it comes to myself or like Brezzy, it's easier for us to put it out there because it's kind of our careers. Mm. Whereas if someone is struggling with anxiety, I had a guy who's, um, he's a, I think a solicitor and he was saying I if I'm ha- if I'm having a week where I'm like not able to cope I can't really go into work and be like do you know what I'm feeling really un- overwhelmed and tell my client that when they're 
ho- confiding me and, ho- and hoping in me for me to help them and do yes, their job so yes. I guess I'm interested in your thoughts around mental health in the workplace and like where at what point do we embrace it and, and like normalize it and say do you know what I'm feeling overwhelmed in the same way you'd say oh I have a headache and at what point do you put your personal stuff to one side and be professional like is there room for both um every time uh the the late late show gathers uh, i'll just say that tim because it's it's mm-hmm. generally new every summer it evolves and we meet in august before the show kicks off for the season and one of the first things i say is here's how it works to the team it says family first mm-hmm. uh, show second and then good luck and that's it if anyone around this table has a problem at home you come to somebody you trust and take all the time you need in the world off mm-hmm. because that's paramount. Uh, I think that's the that's the uh, the best way to start the conversation for in in a workplace. Yeah. Family first, take that. Now you just hope people aren't going to take the mic. Oh, yeah, family. <laughs> my dog is kind of got sore paw. So, but but you you hope that you know what I'm referring to. So somebody might have a relative in trouble. Somebody might be in trouble themselves. I think that in Ireland we still have a bit of a culture of. Uh, to admit it is shameful or yeah. weak, uh, yeah. And I, so I'm not going to try and give you this uh, this phony uh, sense that uh, the workplace has become uh, transformed. And if you say I'm overwhelmed, that you're going to be immediately excused. I think people will go overwhelmed. Yeah, Maybe just like a nicer word for for anxiety. I suppose. I think it probably is or stress. And yeah, you hear it. I mean, I definitely the amount of people out on stress leave has increased yeah. in the workplace. I notice, uh, but I suspect. That's just because it's more acceptable for somebody to say, I am stressed and therefore mm-hmm. that's acknowledged now. So I think what I'd say to you is it's not, it's not, it's not, um, it hasn't been dealt with, mm. but it, it is being dealt with. Yeah. In other words, uh, I think that um, your children, uh, and I mean that figuratively, and to an extent mine and, and that generation again, will be coming into a totally different mm-hmm. scenario to the one I have mm-hmm. and to an extent yourself. Uh, because I think we are a generation in transition. We're trying to get used to even the language of gender mm-hmm. and, you know, talk about people who are transitioning, transgender and so on. Uh, the language of the of the, of the the workplace, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes, I, I, you know, you read, you know, Blyton should be banned, Roald Dahl should be banned uh, because they're inappropriate. That statue should be pulled down. Uh, and that's the bigger picture. But the smaller picture at a low, more local level is the language of anxiety, the language of stress, the language of being able to talk about these things. Mm. We haven't fixed it, no. but I think it's the, 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 the maintenance job has started. Yeah, and it does seem like from a lot of the questions I get that it's of paramount importance in the workplace because that's where a lot of work stress comes from, that like stress builds up and turns into anxiety. It's not that you're walking around afraid that earth's going to fall in, but if you, it's like if you have a bag and you add a stress here and a stress there and you keep adding and you don't address it and sort of understand where it's coming yeah. from, suddenly the bag has gotten too heavy and it splits. And so that was what happened to me. It wasn't nothing sure. that bad happened yeah. to me. It was accumulation. just accumulation. It's just yeah. like chipping away. I remember my um, my gym trainer had a really good analogy. He said, it's like water brushing past rock is, is like gentle and smooth, but it will eventually erode. That's over time, true. yeah, well put, yeah. So it's just sort of n- now knowing when when that sort of erosion is happening. Uh, but I think it's in. I guess I work for myself now, so I just you know every morning I'm like, what do I need to do for myself today? Mm-hmm. But in the workplace, there's all these systems and, and hierarchies. I think it's in the workplace where it needs to that change needs to happen, or the stigma needs to be definitely lifted where people I think it is happening like yes. I haven't worked in a full-time job for a while but I think it's definitely getting better yeah um, I think the maintenance work has begun um, but uh, there's still uh, 
You know, this is said once upon a time, a lot done, more to do. Yeah, exactly. So anxiety outside of performance, it hasn't been a feature of your life. No, it hasn't. Um, I think that I think that it would be unfair to say, I think it's unfair sometimes for some people to say I suffer from anxiety mm-hmm. uh, because it might debase the currency yeah. of serious anxiety. Mm-hmm. And that's why I would be careful about the word. I think the same can be said of the word depression, mm-hmm. uh, where people say I'm depressed and you say, well, I've met a, I met a, a woman there who she she can barely walk. She's so depressed. And she, it's like her somebody has a foot on her throat. So don't tell me you're depressed because you had a three day bender yeah. at the weekend and you've got the blues mm-hmm. and you're hungover. Mm-hmm. And so so you really be careful yeah, you really because do. when somebody's really anxious, they deserve mm-hmm. proper care and attention. Yeah. Somebody's a little bit anxious. Yeah, that's part of the human condition. Yeah. And it's a word that's that has life. been thrown around a lot and, right. and used for maybe just a, a bit of overwhelm or, you know, stressful day at work. But yeah, there is like so, someone who suffers with anxiety regularly. And I would probably describe myself as that. I don't like, I'm, I know there's like scientific stuff around like disorder or condition. I never wanted to be, I never was never told I had because I just think it, we all have a stress response. So the anxiety that I get asked about a lot is around the day-to-day life. So performance anxiety, how to cope in a meeting, how to cope in this situation. Yeah. It's just like daily life coping mechanisms that are, you know, as important. Because if you don't do all those things, you could find yourself in a situation, if you're not addressing stress and yes. having those little boundaries that you've set up yeah. and having your fire on and stuff, you can find yourself experiencing yes. anxiety. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, and I don't actively do that, but I seem to have an innate... Uh, need to and therefore it's working whatever mm-hmm. whatever it is it's mm-hmm. those those simple what I call the simple pleasures I yeah. I see a great beauty and value in what might be called the mundane uh, but are simply uh, the beautiful things in life yeah, I completely agree you have often described yourself as someone with like a a vintage mindset in mm. a modern world. <laughs> uh, like a Paul Smith suit. Uh, yeah, yeah. Vintage with a modern twist. Yeah. Yeah. There's some nice cocktail in there. Um, uh, I hope so. But there's a lot of conversation around anxiety of our generation versus anxiety of m- my parents' generation. Yes. Do you feel that we're a little bit too sensitive these days or do you feel that we're experiencing it more? Or what are your thoughts on like them versus us? I think that, that um, you know, my, my grandfather fought in the War of Independence um, and the Irish Civil War as uh, on both sides, both grandfathers. And I think my, my grandfather was a tough nut uh, who asked my mother back in the 70s, what is this word they keep talking about? And she said, which word? And he said, stress. I don't understand Stress is something that you use as a test in the machine. Mm-hmm. And he didn't he didn't get it. I think there's there a lot of people saying, this comes down to the snowflake thing, where they say yeah. that that generation are snowflakey. Um, and uh, um, mental health uh, has disturbed and bothered Irish and generations. And mental health now needs to be talked about. Uh, so that I'd be inclined to on that, mm-hmm. to be to, to, to err on that side of, of, of the argument. I think others are going, what are you talking about? Just get on with it. We've always got on with it. Just lift yourself up and get on with it. But that's how people have going on about dropping it. dead with a heart attack or turning into alcoholics as well. Like I, I believe I, I that agree with you. there's, okay, with our generation, there's definitely the added fuel of social media and social comparison. And we have, especially for women, we have more opportunities now than ever. So we're trying yeah. to do it all. And, you know, you can do everything. You can do anything, but you can't do everything because something will drop. And usually it's your self-care that sure. drops. But 
so there is there is thing we're experiencing things that are maybe more stressful now but then if you look back in parents generations when you, your grandfather in the war arguably that was a little bit more stressful than social There's media imagine <laughs> bullets whizzing past your ear that you might get stressed but i think that they would have experienced anxiety probably to the same extent they never would have understood what it was or labeled it as no. such and even for me like it was 2014 when i started to when i had that awful experience sure. and i didn't know what was wrong with me and even at that stage in 2014 people weren't talking about it mm. people were putting up their best bits on social media yes the only way the only moment things turned for me was when I actually said okay I need to I can't pretend like I'm okay anymore I need to put this out there and say I'm not okay Good. and but that was still so novel and, yes. we're, and we're only getting here now where I we agree. can you know it's that stigma will only go the more we talk about it the more we kind of normalize it the more we won't feel it I That's think right. yeah. I believe um, and especially with my parents generation now they're I think they're more open to the idea that maybe they do experience waves of anxiety sometimes. Or like my dad would have always said, oh, I'm, I went through a phase when I was in my 20s where I just had a sick stomach every day for about two weeks. And I'm like, that was anxiety yeah. about something. There's your thing. Yeah, as like it yeah. wasn't, you weren't eating something that just it affected you for two weeks. Yes. Like, but you never would have had the awareness because your mother would have said, would you be stopping so ridiculous and get on with it? And is it sexist to say that Irish men uh, are really bad at talking about Um, health one uh, generally and mm. um, anxiety in uh, in particular I just feel that I don't if, think so I think if I went to the pub and said lads I'm very seriously anxious about something they go alright okay and uh, is it your round or is it <laughs> or what, like what, where are we going now I know you know I yeah. think there's a lot of that oh I think that's completely fair to say and that's why with this series I wanted to talk to more men because mm. What I've noticed is, so women and men experience anxiety to the same extent. Women are way more open about it. So women mm. will message me on Instagram and tag me or, you know, something public yeah. where they won't, they won't mind putting it out there. A man will privately message me and say, oh, I listened to your podcast or oh, I just want to say how much the book helped me. They're way more covert about it. And for me, I think there's arguably more pressure on men not to talk about anxiety or mental health because of the pressures around what it means to be masculine in the first place. Yeah, I think that's exactly what I spoke to a member of the Irish Defence Forces a few weeks ago and he had witnessed a, a 15 year old girl being shot in the head and he, he he as I was talking to him this was an incident that happened in the 80s and as he was describing the incident he might as well have been in the dust mm. of the Lebanon in his uniform with the bullet whizzing towards that girl's head because he was so distraught now that's post-traumatic stress mm -hmm, disorder mm -hmm. but his point was when I asked him why didn't you talk about it or why did he said weakness and i think that was the key the fear of weakness 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 in the workplace weakness mm. in the army weakness in the office upstairs weakness by the photocopier weakness by the water cooler men are terrified that to be considered to be wusses sissies uh, all these words that you wouldn't you don't really hear nowadays but that's what they'd be that's the whisper they'd hear behind their back and that that's why you don't hear a lot of men talking about this sort of thing Uh, you know, I was involved with an organization called Safe Ireland. Uh, they asked me to talk about a campaign they were running called Man Up to mm. try and encourage men to talk about domestic violence. Because if we're, if I'm in the pub talking to my pals, this was the point of it. Uh, it's not cool to be saying, you know, I, I, you know to, 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 to hear blasé comments about women, in, in, broadly speaking. But also if you know somebody or you hear somebody who is, 
violent towards a woman you can't just say that's terrible you kind of start acting it. so they wanted yeah. men to get involved because men right. don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. it comes back to your question what about men and uh, mental health and discussing it I, we are not there yet mm-hmm. we are not what do you think there. needs to happen I think what you're doing with your podcast I think what Rezzy's doing uh, as well I think the two of you are just leading lights in this area in terms of bringing the conversation out of the shadows like we do heaps of interviews on the radio that we endeavour to do it you do it much more consistently and I think that's it that's why I'm so happy to be talking to you today because mm-hmm. I hope that there are men, you know, maybe of my age or their rounds, thereabouts, who will say, yeah, maybe it's okay. It is okay. There are numbers to mm. ring. There are places to go. Don't be the next person to throw themselves into the river. Don't, like yeah. Blind Boy said on the Late Late once, you know, don't be that person. Um, there are people, professionals waiting to hear from you. Make the call. Yeah, and I think even that is intimidating because people don't want to admit there's a problem enough to justify yeah. a professional, yeah. but even if it's just a friend. So I was talking to um, a friend of mine a while ago, a guy who started to experience anxiety, was so terrified because he had never felt it before. And then I was like, are you telling your friends? Because I was assuming it was going to be, oh no, like Scarlet, like telling the lads around, you know, having a pint. And then he said, I actually did say it to my best friend. And, and then he told me that he had suffered with really bad social anxiety and they were best friends and never knew this about each other and they spent every day every friday having pints together hanging out yeah and even like with my dad my um my family dog passed away this weekend oh no that's massive news yeah we were devastated um and my dad cannot cope he's like Millie the dog God rest her soul she was um, his you know best friend he spent a lot of time at home they live down in Dingle now semi-retired down there and I found it so hard seeing my dad upset because I was like but you're the father figure you're the man you're supposed to be strong so it's this whole it stems all the way through all of our society all of our relationships everything where we're not used to seeing men be vulnerable. Let me let me echo. That's a great. You just put a point in my head because your poor dad. I, I can feel his pain uh, because dads feel this because they've we've seen movies. Mm. Dads don't cry. Dads are there for their daughters. You know, mm-hmm. dads are like the Mount Rushmore meets the Statue of Liberty. You know, strong, <laughs> holding the torch and guiding yeah. you into the harbor. Yeah, always home with the arms out uh, and with no worries of their own to speak of. They'll get by. They're dads, you know. <laughs> so the point I was going to make was that when when you there's a lot of that that sort of imagery of expectations of the dads. When I hit, I'm 46, as I said to you earlier. When when I hit about 42 or three, it it, it dawned on me as I looked around that in most of the leaders of the world in Canada, Ireland, uh, more recently uh, Britain, New Zealand. Uh, big places essentially mm-hmm. and across Europe were all in their early 40s and I went but they can't be they're prime ministers and presidents they mm-hmm. need to be they, Greece Ukraine I said, they're meant to be in charge then I realised no you're in, you do the later like, you're <laughs> you're, you're in, char- in charge <laughs> Shit. no one knows what they're doing <laughs> that's my point nobody knows anything actually yeah. Gay Byrne who presented the late show a number of years for for 37 years he said we meet regularly he keeps saying that every now and again he quotes it's from the script writer about Hollywood no one knows anything mm. and of course people know things but the point I'm making is that all these to me boys yeah for the most part are, are running the world mm-hmm. and then take it another step step forward because then I hit 45 say and I realised now I get it even more because I see people being really naughty 
and sort of stupid in even in the workplace or around the place. So why would you behave in such a juvenile way? Answer to the question is we are all children with wrinkles. Mm. We actually we we carry so much of our childhood with us that we end up being like look at Donald Trump is like an overgrown baby. Um, oh, such an ugly baby. <laughs> uh, well, he's, but he's got all the characteristics of a child in a, yeah. in, in a playground, not even mm-hmm. in school. Um, Johnson's not far behind him. He's mm-hmm. sort of almost they look so oddly surrogate, alike, don't surrogate they? child. It's like he created it in a Petri dish. <laughs> so, so here we are. And and my friends, one, one of my friends said to me uh, that, that her auntie described me as a tall child. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, well, I'll take that. But yeah. I don't mind that. But you I wouldn't I, see that as an insult, though. I kind of, yeah. especially not around Toy Show time, yeah. I take that as the ultimate. But, but but you see where I'm going. Yeah. We, we, we kind of expect somebody to be in somebody, charge to yeah. go, it's okay, Earth. It's mm-hmm. okay, Ireland. I've got this. But then when they're your age, you go, well, do you know? No, imagine, yeah. yeah. It's a scary was 31. You got to go, yeah. well, I don't know if I trust them because yeah. I don't, I couldn't, no. like, I'm just trying to pay a mortgage here. So what the, anyway, oh, yeah. it's worth thinking about. Throughout your, your career, yes. you have interviewed countless men and women from all walks of life. Have you noticed over the last couple of years, have men shown a more of a willingness to be vulnerable in your interviews? Is there a softening there? Yeah, there was, a, there was definitely a more, you know, respectful, uh, tone. I think the Me Too movement has changed, mm. absolutely changed uh, the tenor of an interview now. Uh, and people are more acutely aware of the language that you can and should use. Um, that's changed. Um, but apart from that, it's uh, no, it hasn't been dramatic. It's mm. it's it's OK. Mm. I just want to meet interesting people. I. I don't want to hear necessarily just constant flogging a movie. Like, give us, yeah. the, give us the good stuff. Like, as yeah, well. it's the human experience. Yeah, I just, I love when people are really honest because people relate to that. Like, yeah. just, they just let the guard down, and people will like you and and admire you more if you just be yourself. Mm. And as a man in in uh, the I'm public still a man. Eyes. Yeah, I haven't decided to <laughs> embark on any new roads. But with all this awareness of how important it is to for men to to own their vulnerability that yes. we all have, if you were to go through something now, yes, that would you feel like, say, for example, you just found yourself in in a phase of anxiety yeah. where you were having panic attacks? Would you feel? Do you still believe? That if you were to say that to someone in workplace, would would that feel like you were admitting weakness, or do you feel like you could you were at the point now where you'd be able to be like, do you know what, I'm confident enough for myself to be able to know that this doesn't mean this is showing it is strength. I think. Yeah, I think so. I think it, the I think that if you asked me this question five years ago, I'd give you a different answer. Yeah. Um, and that's back to what you're doing and with the podcast and and the, the more uh, the increase and in the, the more the prevalence of conversations like this. But now I'd say the answer is different. I'd say yeah, I I say lads. I'm out. I'm out for a week to get my head together and I'm going to talk to someone, yeah. maybe a few people. My father was a psychiatrist and I, the joke I always said was that he never brought his work home with him, <laughs> hence us. But I think strangely, and it shouldn't be the case, but I think strangely something rubbed off because when you're doing the, the radio show, it requires a lot of listening mm-hmm. and gentle probing. And, it, and I've got letters from former patients of his to say, I hear your father in your interviewing style. Wow. It's the greatest compliment you can yeah. pay me because my dad's not, not alive now, mm. but uh, but it's so nice to hear him being kept alive through things like that. So that's really sweet and very kind and, and very meaningful uh, uh, to me. But the point I'm trying to make is that I spend a lot of time talking about mental health now uh, in an interview context on the radio. I'm not yeah. doing what you do, which is mm. uh, advocating, mm-hmm. but I simply facilitate it yeah. as, as part of a radio program, our TV show. 
And if if I was to feel the anxiety you're talking about and to then go home and bury it and say, oh, la, 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 here's a fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, wouldn't that be the most grotesque hypocrisy? Mm. And, you know, so there's no way I would do that. And also the comfort in the skin thing, I, I, I would I would mm. I would say it publicly and say, look, I'm. You know, sometimes in life you, you hit a, a wall. Yeah. I'm going to have to get over the wall. I'll be with you in, in a mm. week or two or whatever. I would definitely yeah. deal with it because otherwise, I think you kind of said it, otherwise you'd be dead. And that sounds pretty stark. Like it'll clash you in some way. It will come and get yeah. you and bite you in the arse. And there's no point in that. I always try to tell people, you know, obviously at the beginning of our chat, you talked about how you look at it as excitement more so than anxiety. Yeah. And I also think if people go through anxiety it's important or any kind of negative phase it's important to reposition it in your mind and look at it so for me I look at at my anxiety as like a kind of a communication system where my body is so in tune that it's telling me when something is too much and that whereas someone else who doesn't go through life feeling any anxiety they might just drop dead one day not be terrifying people but like feeling anxious is your body is kind of looking out for you or having those thoughts or words or feeling that before you go on the late late show is all your body is is actually really awake and in tune and communicating with you and i think it's looking out for you and it's work about working with your anxiety or working with your performance anxiety or those that energy that you feel instead of working against it i think that's that's kind of owning it for me i agree with you and and for me owning it is saturday saturday is the day after I was hit by the beautiful bus. Yeah. And, and it is. It's a bus made out of marshmallows and, and music. And you do it every week. And I wake up on Saturday and go, holy smoke, my head. And that's just, uh, there's a few beers involved mm. as well, but not. And I just go, it's, but it's Saturday and there's no, no, no appointments on Saturday. Mm. Never. It's just people I love. And it's back to that fire I told you about. I've also fallen in love with jigsaws. Uh, so I'm going to go back to them this winter, autumn, winter. It's day there. You want to talk about mindfulness? Yeah. Whoever came up with the jigsaw was ahead of the curve. You just need to uh, go back and rebrand them as mindfulness. They, well, they could. Yeah. Somebody will. Yeah. Um, but, I'm going to. But those, we should. But those simple pleasures, don't, don't be chasing. Don't be chasing the big, costly, you know, holidays and mm. cars. Shop local. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised. Yeah. And before I let you go, I want sure. to ask you... I'm writing my third book at the moment and yes. um, one of it's it's basically it's, it's all about vulnerability and different observations or truths that I think that if we could incorporate in or like really give some thought to life yeah. would get a little bit easier and one of them is I'm saying there is no end goal mm-hmm. and I think having been through what I went through my my perspective around professional career achievements changed and I was always so focused on get me to that point get me to that point I wasn't thinking about today yeah. whereas now my I guess the driving force of my career and it's why some men might give up their corporate job and become taxi men and happily do so is because they're thinking their goal is how do I want to live every day mm. so do you feel at this stage in your career you're more lifestyle oriented than goal oriented yes I do um, because there was a time about five or six years ago whether I didn't know whether it was coming or whether I didn't know where it was going and I was half in London I was mm. half looking at the BBC half over here and that's a lot of halves yeah but you know what I mean <laughs> You and don't exist anymore. <laughs> I, well, I was, I was. I was cutting myself up into too many pieces. I was a j- human jigsaw. Mm. And, uh, and you know, there came a realization where I realized I was chasing and chasing and chasing and not sitting down and actually dining on the good things I yeah. had. How do you want to spend each day, not what yeah. looks good on Pre- your CV? Precisely. And look, I'm, I'm fortunate that, that that came with age, opportunity and, and hard work. Like, mm. I'm not going to, 
you know, pretend that I'm the luckiest man in the world, this mm. job just landed. It didn't. I, you know, I work with good people to make things happen and it's great. But uh, that work-life balance thing that, that was kind of, I, I thought, was a, it sounded like a, a fad. Mm. But I, then I realized as I de my approach to it and thought, Oh, okay. That actually is really important. Oh, absolutely. And and yeah, yeah. I think that's that's getting it right. Yeah. You know, and um, you know, I I don't. My phone isn't in my bedroom. I don't have a TV in my bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those those things that you say are little things. They're enormous. Mm-hmm. Don't let work whip you over the back after six o'clock. Yeah. Don't let it chase you in your car in the traffic. Don't let it be your, you know, your mm-hmm. guiding light in 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 the dark of winter. That's why God created quality TV series. <laughs> and that's why, you know, the world gave us autumn leaves to mm. kick and walk and walk through and beautiful vistas that change with the colours and the lights. Look at those. Mm. So you obviously know now look at your well-being as a metric of success, not just your viewers or your listeners. I, I'm hoping that we don't have to go get older or, you know, go through something. We, we'll know going into it. We know when we go into the big job you know, what's most important is when I finish at six o'clock that my well-being is intact. 100% correct. The, the minding of the self isn't selfishness. Mm. It's the minding of the self. It's a different thing altogether. Yeah. And uh, it's inex- very inexpensive. Yeah, and only when you mind yourself can you be of use to your employee or your employer or your kids or yeah. it's the oxygen mask theory. It's look after yeah. yourself first. Yeah, don't limit yourself. Yeah. The National Gallery in Dublin City is free. It's mm. yours. The dead zoo right next door is free and it's yours if you have kids and you want to bring them or if you're just a weirdo like me, you want to go on your own, go. Across the road, Marion Square with all those beautiful sculptures of Irish history and the past and the beautiful grounds and flowers, that's free and it's yours. I could go on. My point is all around you, every county you live in, every town and city, there are museums. Every, Every book that was ever written is probably within a five mile radius of everyone listening to this in the local library mm. that's free and that's yours you you will never be bored with a book in your hand mm. it's a portal to another world so don't say nothing's happening here make stuff happen mm. don't wallow there's a world out there waiting for you embrace it oh ryan i'm so inspired now Yay. thank you so so much what a pleasure i really enjoyed to talking to you owning it the anxiety podcast and i'm sure people will just appreciate this so much and resonate with a lot of what you said especially around the performance anxiety which i know is such a common feature of everyone who listens so i can't thank you enough thank you caroline it's a pleasure to see you and good luck with book three thank you you're welcome Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.